when it comes to establishing your worldview, I was curious, what newspapers and magazines did you regularly read before you were tapped for this to stay informed and to understand the I've world? read most of them, again, with a great appreciation for the press, for the media. But like what coming, specifically? I'm curious that you... Um, all of them, any of them that um, have, have been in front of me over all these years. Um, I, have a I have a vast variety of sources. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Second in Command of Veep Rewatch. I'm Tim Simons. I play Jonah Ryan. I'm Matt Walsh. I play Mike McClintock. And we look at this show from the view of two people who are standing on the lower rungs of a very high ladder. Today, we will be watching episode three. Walsh is still not sold on that. I tried to mix it up. Uh, episode three, Hostages. Season two, episode three, Hostages. That was Sarah Palin. I did, I, I, I'm gonna, uh, I, that was Sarah Palin uh, sometime in 2008, uh, just saying some absolute dumb shit. Uh, I feel like people are not wrong. I know it's not actually true, but I feel like she might have kicked off um, the world that we're living in now. The sort of like the, you know what I mean? Like the, the, uh, just the absolute fucking idiocy, but you have to get behind idiocy. Yeah, there was sort way. of, that's the beginning of the dual realities. Like you're looking yes. up and seeing like, this is insane. Like she's not a great candidate. And then you're staying. I was literally, when her nomination was like at the Republican convention, I was returning a lease car at a Honda dealership. <laughs> and I was standing around several of the guys who worked there and they were on board right away. And the stuff yeah. she was saying was not. And I was sort of like, how is this not like uh, more shocking? Yeah. A little bit? Do you know what I mean? Because she's yeah. not a qualified candidate in any way. And preceding politics would have any reasonable person, regardless of party, assume that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not because she's Republican. It's not because she's a woman. I, it's not because she's from Alaska. It's just because that perfectly... Uh, it shows that she's not qualified. She's not educated on the issue. She's not. Anyways, I yes. kind of agree with you. That was the beginning of the sort of two reality split in a way. Yeah. And I think that there is like, I watched that clip and I, I, this does not, it doesn't engender any sympathy from me, but I do, when I do look at it, I am like, okay, this is somebody who is through no, through no real fault of their own out of their depth. Like they were put into a they were set up to fail a hundred percent. And like, this is also a person who got a, a bunch of media coaching uh, in a very short time and was expected to essentially play at an NBA level, having never played basketball before, or yeah. like having played in like a rec league. And all of a sudden they're being asked to play at an NBA level. And it's just not going to work no matter how, no matter how hard you train when you first jump in, no, it's not going to work. But I also will say that it does not, it is not easier to do that when you are as stupid as she is. She is a not smart person. So that's very challenging to learn that much about like sort of media relations. I think if you're smart and she is also incredibly dumb. Well, so that I don't it think, doesn't uh, engender a lot of sympathy. Yeah, and I don't think McCain was really on board. I think Carl Rove shoved that one in a, in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sure. and I don't think McCain was super psyched about the choice, but I think he played ball because he was deferring to his advisors. She had, I mean, like, this is one of those things where, I mean, like, obviously, like, we've talked about this before. The show is not based on Sarah Palin in any way. No. Um, 
but there was a really amazing moment where uh, she, uh, where in the last days of the McCain campaign, when everything was like really falling apart, she started to believe that she was the candidate. And the night of the, uh, the night of the election, she was planning on giving a concession speech. And McCain was like, are you fucking insane? Nobody, really? no vice presidential candidate ever has given a concession speech before the actual nominee. Like that, like that was sort of the final straw, I think, in their relationship. Oh, I didn't know. But anyway, I, I do, there is also a part of me, like I, I almost hate the fact that we've spent this much time talking about her because I do think that she is a figure that is sort of like, at least for me, like sort of like, and I, I think even for a lot of people who are Republicans are just like, yeah, we're just going to like dustbin of history here. Like it's sort of so long past that it's like, it's so examined at this point. It's kind of not even worth talking about, but. Um, Seems like the McCain's get slapped around by the Republican Party because he's, uh, anyways, we'll move on. Yeah. All right. So this is episode, uh, season two, episode three, Hostages. Um, uh, it was uh, written by Sean Gray and Armando Iannucci. It was directed by Chris Addison, um, who also directed uh, episode two, right? Yeah. And what's amazing, it was only filmed in uh, three days. December 16th through December 18th. (laughs) Uh, I actually, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, well, number one, I know that's not true, but uh, I I do remember that the very last night of this, that we were filming this episode was like December 22nd going into December 23rd because we were shooting that scene uh, after the hostages in the shitsuation room. Yeah where we're all celebrating the hostages. We were filming that at like three 30 or four in the morning on what was like December 23rd. Oh, wow. Good memory. I just, I just remember that, that, that it was like, that was the, it was like, again, we kind of talked about this before, like by this point we are running behind and we never catch up. And then there we were like, it was a great example of that. And that we were, we were filming at like 4 a.m on December 23rd. And we all had flights out like at noon that day. So we all got home at like six in the morning, slept for two hours and then we were on planes back to our families. But anyway, so I feel like that, that is it's not easy making, it's not easy. It's not easy making no. five hours of premium cable comedy a year. It's not, it's not in between. I would say average four and a half to five, four, four and a half, five hours of premium cable every year. Yeah. And you were every, probably because of that late night shoot, you were probably a little ornery or grumpy on your first class Virgin America flight from Dulles back to LA that next day, weren't you? You probably couldn't uh, enjoy the luxury of your first class flight. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I mean, like, you know, those I you might not have even ordered the meal. You probably skipped the meal. You were such in such. No, I was probably just sleeping. I probably tried to watch a movie like on the little TV that they provide. But I was probably like, oh, I'm just so tired, you know. Um, And uh, and honestly, I mean, like those IAD to LAX flights, they don't they're usually just like, you know, eight seats up in first class. So you're not even like, you're not like in a little bucket where you're like, you know, lying down. You're just trying to like, you know, catch a little nap 
just reclining. You know what I mean? It's hard. I, that's, I, again, I don't. We don't need to belabor it. It's hard. No, it's, but it's a hard it's thing just to a do. Point. It's a good point because our Screen Actors Guild Union works very hard to make sure when talent flies, they have to be in business or first class. Mm-hmm. That's just part of the union's, you know, job. Yes. And then here you are working super hard, making four to five hours of premium television. Yep. And then the next day, you don't. You can't even enjoy your SAG secured first class flight. No, that's that's not easy on you i'm sorry there are so many american heroes that deserve that seat of course but i don't really know like what the rules are about like giving it up to somebody and like kind of letting them have it i don't know if that's like so i just like you know i don't want to like make it harder for the for the flight attendants so i just kind of don't say you know what i mean like i'm kind of doing them a favor by not offering it to somebody else yeah you know you're Um, always thinking about uh, that's 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 I, i really am uh, so, Selena uh, and Secretary of Defense Maddox go. clash over a hostage, the, the hostage crisis, while Sue testifies to Congress. When a hostage crisis in Uzbekistan ensues, Selena has conflict with the Secretary. Oh, we're kind of, I'm just straight up reading this off the thing. And I feel like maybe this is like an in between draft. So I'm just, because Selena has conflicts with Secretary of Defense George Maddox. Sue testifies to a congressional hearing. Dan and Gary fight for the VEEP's approval. One thing I'll say just Mm -hmm. one thing I'll say is that uh, um, first time Mike said, uh, thank you for your service in this episode, just kind of a a runner. Oh, God. One of my absolute favorite runners (laughs) of the entire show. And weirdly, I feel like in that scene and we are skipping ahead a little bit to talk about this moment, but in that scene, the thing you have like a sort of wonderful moment where you just kind of chuckle and say, she's so funny. Like you are just lighthearted and enjoying Ju- And like, and that moment is so funny. Yeah. That's in the early seasons, Mike's ability to write comedy for her was a big bond between Mike and Selena, or it was certainly something that I really liked playing or trying opportunities to play. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that was really fun to play. And that one other thing I want to point out, Tim, is, is that mm-hmm. she, Julia Dreyfus, broke another barrier. She's the first woman to shit her pants in, uh, on, on screen before Bridesmaids. Now, Bridesmaids has an amazing shit your pants by a woman, Maya Rudolph, an amazing one. But we, Julia, broke We that- predated that? Yeah. Yeah. So we broke ground. Wow. We can confirm that, but I'm pretty sure we broke ground. I just want to point out the fact that we are able to create four and a half to five hours of premium cable television while also not being able to enjoy the the provided meal in a first class seat and also breaking ground with women characters shitting their pants. Yeah, some years we only made four hours or three and a half hours of premium cable. But in general... We but did in general, four to five. That's we talk about keeping a bunch of plates spinning, man. We're out there, and again, like this is not to pat ourselves on the back, but we're out there like doing the work. Some people aren't willing to do the work; we're willing to do it. Um, in that moment where you say she's so funny, there is then the awkward moment where you look at the marine and say, "Thank you for your service." Mm-hmm. I feel like on the day there were a lot. You said uh, different versions of the lead-in that were way more awkward with the, with the actual troop, 
Like mm-hmm. I always felt like my favorite versions of the thank you for your service was when you were somewhat denigrating military service and then you notice and then say thank you for your service or you know yeah, what, uh, you know you're what right I mean? and so I, this this moment with him isn't super awkward but i think that was just the funniest possible moment to put before that that happened on the day you know what i mean yeah yeah and the other thing i remember about this episode it was so cold at that gun range which we're getting ahead of ourselves but mm-hmm. That was when they pulled out all these space heaters to keep everyone warm, including all those actors who were, I think, were they real Marines or reservists? They might've been real, like Marine reservists. All those oh, people. I don't know. I wasn't there for that day. But point being, I was in my trench coat and I stood too close to these propane heaters and my body started on fire. My whole coat started on fire and I'm standing there I'm and I'm like, what? something's smoking. I'm like, holy shit. And my coat's on fire. So here's the thing. I think that we might be, this might be a memory game because I think that happened when we were filming the West exec parking moment outside in Baltimore, because I think I was there for the day that your jacket caught on fire. But Walsh, I don't, I, I want to make sure that this comes across in a respectful way. If you told me that you caught your jacket on fire twice, I would believe it. I didn't, I don't think it was twice and I'll have to find out for some reason, I felt like it was more of a woodsy environment with like makeshift tents that we were huddling under Mm -hmm. as opposed to like an urban setting. So that's why I feel like it might be this gun range episode, but I could be wrong. We'll have to figure that out. Uh, But skipping ahead, I do remember everybody coming back from that gun gun range episode and being like, that was freezing. That was unbelievably cool. And you can even see it like this is a very this is this is a real thing um because i worked on a movie recently where they were going to be shooting some stuff overnight and outside and they looked at the weather and they said we have to shoot all the close-ups on the first night because they were shooting overnight for two nights they were like we have to shoot all the close-ups the first night because on the second night that we're filming it's going to be so cold that the actors mouths won't work and and yeah. you can see it. You can see it in the very first guy that the Marine that they're showing uh, kind of in profile. He says like a 10 hunt or he says something like, you know, vice, you know, vice president, whatever. You can see that like his face is frozen. He is a, having a hard time moving his mouth because it is so cold. Anyway, it's hard making five hours of premium cable. In yeah, the I cold. like that it's like almost like mechan- like the actor's mouths won't work. Like yes. almost like a piece of machinery. Like exactly. those things that those things we hire or those machines we use to deliver lines, they don't mm-hmm. function in the cold. They don't function at like there's like a maximum and a minimum temperature that yeah. they will that they have, and yeah. that's gonna be outside. But we're still gonna make them show up. We just can't expect them to work at full capacity. Yeah, it's like leaving your cell phone on the car seat, and if it gets too hot, it'll just shut down. Yes. Hey, Wolf. What's up? Sometimes I feel like people are telling me that CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel. Things like stress, anxiety, and pain. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think that's what it does best. It takes the edge off a lot of that stuff in a very safe way. You ever heard of okay. feels? You ever heard of feels? I, I've heard a little bit about it, but I want you to tell me some more. I feel like we've done an ad for them before. Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear, and feel your best and it's hassle-free delivered directly to your door 
Uh, CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Um, there's no hangover or addiction. I will say that I get, especially when I'm on location and I've got like an early call, um, I, I tend to not sleep well. I, I have trouble falling asleep because all I can think is like, you need to go to sleep right now. You I have a similar, right I have you... a same issue when I travel. Yeah. So, but when I use feels, I tend to fall as it just takes a little bit of that edge off. It takes a little bit of the stress off and I get to sleep a lot easier. So this is to all you listeners and watchers. Start feeling better with feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash beep and you'll get 50% off your first order and free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash beep to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Get 50% off your first order with free shipping when you go to feels.com slash beep. You know, good habits actually give you a quality of life that you can't get by being lazy. Did you know that, Tim? Tell, tell me more about this. Well, one of my few- Because I'm incredibly lazy. One of my few good habits is I've gotten better about dental care. And I like to do things efficiently. So I got a toothbrush from Quip and I shower and I brush my teeth at the same time. I know it seems like, oh my God, are you like a circus freak or something? It's not that hard. Really? But one of my rituals, I do. One of my rituals is I'll get in that shower and I'll have my toothbrush all ready with my toothpaste and I'll go to town on that. And I feel like I'm doing two things at once and I love it. And I, of course, brush in the morning, but I'm not showering in the morning. Lately, I've been showering at night. Too much information? Doesn't matter. No, I feel like I'm learning a lot of new stuff about you. I have heard that the Quip Electra toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths and has time sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean. Is that true? Yeah. And it's lightweight. It's got a sleek design for adults and kids. No wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. Wait, okay. And you can use it in the shower. A hundred percent. Okay, it has a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. I believe it, I haven't traveled with it yet. And it has reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, including best-selling all black, which I got, and all pink, which I don't have, as well as the bright plastic colors sure to make a pop to your bathroom counter. Beyond the brush, Quip also has everything you need to build build a complete routine, anti-cavity toothpastes, floss, or, or a reusable floss pick that replaces over 180 disposable picks with every refill. So if you go to getquip.com slash beef right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash beef. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash beef. Quip, the good habits company. And I got me one of them good habits. So... Uh, we start off in the Eisenhower, um, uh, right in with the, uh, we start right in with the, uh, the Uzbeki, uh, hostage crisis. Uh, immediately she's like, Sean Penn is doing more about the hostage crisis than we are. And to Sean Penn's credit, I know a lot of people get annoyed with him, but his company is what set up the, uh, the, the sort of mass testing at Dodger Stadium that my family and I would use during. I use that too, yeah. Yeah. So like that was like Sean Penn's company or like, you know, or charitable arm, you know. So I guess I always like, I I enjoy the fact that he is actually out there. You know, I know we're making fun of it in this moment, but me personally, Tim, I do feel like Sean Penn has put good stuff out in the world. 
recent. Yeah. Yeah. Are you auditioning for a Sean Penn movie right now? Well, I look, I'm I'm taking a we I have a meeting coming up, a general oh, coming up, but I'm trying thing. to like I'm trying to um uh I'm playing uh I'm playing the uh, photographer that he traveled with that left his phone on that got El Chapo captured. Um <laughs> so I, I have a general coming up. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So uh Selena really wants to get some movement going uh with uh she wants to sort of pressure POTUS, uh, you know, mostly for her own benefit to do something about uh the hostage situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kent Davidson is waiting for public opinion to hit a certain percentage and he does his yes. noodle analogy. Yes. Selena cares about the hostages because they're basically Catherine's age, so she has sort of this emotional attachment in a way to these young men i think she can relate i also do think that there is a part of it that is like a, a it's attached to her like her bolstered uh uh foreign foreign policy, uh, foreign policy thing yeah. she's like this would be a win for me um in this first scene we also uh we hear dan talking about um uh, about his choice of word that differs from the president so it's the first time that robust comes up Mm -hmm. uh, in the episode, he says, like, I figured out the perfect word. We're supposed to be saying uh, uh, calculated, but I'm going to go with robust because that's like, that's what you want to hear. In a, uh, she loves it. That's what you want to hear in a crisis. Uh, Selena loves it. We also are introduced to, introduced to Cliff, played by Craig Kakowski. Mm -hmm. Now, have you had you worked with Craig before? Because he... Yeah. He Craig is an amazing Chicago improviser who I have worked with before, and he's so funny. And he's so funny in this episode, but he's like a real comedy great. And uh, yeah, he's I did work with him in Chicago. He was kind of a, in a small town. He was a legend. You know, he yeah. was somebody that I had seen a bunch before, but this was the first time that I had worked with him, and it was it was um, I really. As I've watched this one a few more times, I've really come to love Clint or Cliff. Cliff. I've really come to love Cliff in a way that I didn't, I wasn't exactly sure how Cliff fit in before. And now I just love him when he's like, when she calls out pursuit and he's like kind of jumping in, he's kind of like jauntily like jumping into the doorway. I just love it. I It's like such a refreshing lovely thing and i think at the time i viewed the show so cynically it was weird to see somebody who was so open and sort of wholehearted yeah. you know what i mean so vulnerable and eager and and upbeat yeah yeah like willing to lead with that when I, I i i viewed the show sort of through my own lens of like everybody's gotta have an angle and this was like a character without an angle and i just but rewatching it a couple times, I just think it's so great. I think it's like lovely and effervescent, and I just love it. Well, Selena sees him as a grinning Ewok, right? Yes, that's true. Later. But it, uh, it's so, also, I just want to point out, it's kind of like in, yeah. the, in the momentum or the pattern of season one, Dan is constantly trying to rise and ingratiate mm -hmm. himself with wherever power is like he'll distance himself from selena if she's in trouble or he'll mm -hmm. just ask to furlong if, if he sees power there and in this one he's really trying to get selena's ear because she is seemingly getting some traction and some power and so you see this emotion or this rivalry between him and gary you see gary getting jealous and there's a real nice uh competition between gary and dan in this episode 
And I remember at the time, like, because I feel like that starts getting set up in this first scene. I remember at the time, Reed bringing up a good point of like, why would I want to do that? Like, why would I want to compare myself to Gary at all? Like, why do I consider Gary competition in any way? You know what I mean? Like Dan and, and Reed's view on Dan's sharkiness was, I think that is like a, a valid point um, yeah. that Reed brought. I remember Reed bringing that up at the time. I think ultimately it's totally fine. It doesn't seem out of character at all. Um, yeah. Uh, but I just remember Reed talking about that at the time. I mean, like, I'm sure that was like another emasculating thing for like for Gary's character and Tony sitting there to have like one of the other characters. Yeah, why would I worry about this guy at all? This guy is nothing. Like, why would I? This is like he's just like a gelatinous mass. Like, why would I? Why would I worry <laughs> a about bag this? holder? He's just a bag holder. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, there is a there's a great moment uh, as they're leaving. Uh, where Gary says, uh, you take care of, you take care of her. All right. VP stands for very precious. Yeah. And he really means it. It's like a lovely, quiet moment from Tony. Yeah. You also get a sense of like, uh, uh, Ben Cafferty played by Kevin Dunn mm -hmm. in this episode, you get a sense of like, his power and his ability to give marching orders as chief of staff, because he'll later sort of wrangle Selena and Maddox together and say, yeah. what the fuck? Like you guys need to get your shit together. We need to work together as a team. So it's, it's a good episode for Ben as well. Yeah. So off of that scene where we hear about the things that we hear about are like cliff coming in, we hear about robust, we hear about, um, uh, uh, Sue going to do her testimony where it was like, okay, be dull. Uh, so we, that, we set all that stuff up right from that. We go to Kent's office and we have Amy and Kent and Ben talking about the hostage situation and what's happening. Um, and, and to your point about Ben, and this will be a sort of larger compliment for, uh, for Kevin Dunn, is that if I feel like if you go through the entire show and you watch every scene that Kevin does, you could lift that scene out of our show and put it in a political drama and it plays the exact same way. Yeah. Like this scene where he comes in and it's all like, you know, for, like the character is now less, I'm going to kill myself. And he has a little bit more like juice to him. He's like, you know, uh, it's Ken, the guy who who can't take a leap without pulling his balls. And he's like, you know, the president has a pro hawk, pro strike war hawk boner the size of whatever. Like he's like really going after Kent hard yeah. in a way that is funny in the show. But if you, but there is no difference in that performance if you're in a drama or a comedy, which is one thing that I think is great about Kevin Dunn as a comedic actor. Well, another example of that is when he goes after Ken's fucking noodle analogy. He's like, wait, you've timed yeah. that fucking whole analogy to the stupid ding on the microwave? That's fucking pathetic. There's no joke yeah. line in there at no. all. There's not like a funny turn or a setup and a punch. It's just real, but it's so funny. But it's so he's full funny on committed. He's, so, he's like so yes. angry about it. And, then, and, not, and this is like a super nerdy thing. 
But there was one time when I was doing ADR for this episode, I ended up, I showed up at the place. I was a couple minutes early. And so I, I went into the booth to watch and Kevin was in there and he was doing some ADR. And so for everybody that doesn't like do this, so ADR is additional dialogue recording or added dialogue recording, or yeah, I think that's, yeah, ADR. ADR. I, I think that's what it stands for. That's yeah. what I've always assumed it stands for. Yeah. But you have to like, if like, if sound, if, uh, um, if you need to like loop a sound, if there was bad sound on the day, if there's crosstalk, you need to like sort of re-record a lot. And it can be really hard and clunky to do. And sometimes you don't get the right performance. It's, it's not everybody's favorite thing to do. But I watched Kevin Dunn do that pro hawk strike boner line. He just fucking killed the timing and the sync of that line to the point where you cannot even notice that it is ADR. Yeah. Like I was just watching him being like, oh fuck, like this guy is a pro. He like listened to it a couple times and then just did it perfectly. And then I went in there next and was like just a fucking mess and needed 13 takes of every line to even get close. Because it is like it is like an actual technical skill that you I do think you develop the more you do it. Yeah. But it's just like I I think the only reason I bring that up is just it's like another example of Kevin Dunn being like immensely professional and knowing exactly what he's doing. Well, I actually patting myself and I got very good at ADR. Like, I feel like I'm a very good ADR actor. And one thing that helped me is like, I've done indie movies where like one in it, for example, where I had to go back in and re-record every fucking line that I said in the movie because the sound department just was terrible. Oh, no, no. nobody knew until we got into the edit. Like we thought, okay, we got a great sound. So long story short. And as an actor, when you go in, it's like, Oh my God, we created magic. Like it's so hard to recreate things. Yes. Yeah. And so you're like, there's no, like I had this attitude, like there's no way, like I was so resentful and like, just like, there's no way we're going to, I'm going to give them what I, what I was able to do when I was immersed in the scene and the people. And like, but I remember talking to some other actor who was a pro, like on some other project. And he's like, I love ADR. I'm like, Oh my God, I dread it. Cause it's for those reasons I just mentioned. And he's like, I, I try to approach it as another way to perfect a performance. I try to see it as an opportunity to make something better. And honestly, that little bit freed me and changed my mind about it. So I was like, oh my God, I can actually make something better. Like this is an opportunity. I should be grateful for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really freed me as to become a better ADR actor. I also I also want to throw this out there uh, that here's an acting tip from uh, from Tony Hale. Uh, in which uh, it, uh, he uh, told me <laughs> at one point that when he was coming up, he was like, you know, you like if you're not like if you're a series regular on a show, you just have to do ADR. But if you're not, if you're just jobbed in, you have to do ADR. They have to give you a session fee. So he yeah. was like, I would always say one line really quietly so that they always had to bring me in for ADR. <laughs> so that's like if like if you are like a young actor and you're out there just say one line real quiet and if they're like and be real nice about it and if they're like oh hey on that line could you just like pitch it up a little bit be like oh yeah absolutely i 100 percent will and then still just say it a little bit quietly yeah and then you're going to get the extra session fee anyway that's a little acting tip uh courtesy of uh anthony hale 
<laughs> um, so the, here is another V thing. We're only one scene into this, and I know I'm belaboring this a little bit, but again, we're behind. We're 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 running behind, and we never catch up. I remember this scene after that when we go to the two motorcades of of Maddox, Maddox and Selena. of Maddox and Selena. And they are both really concerned with who's showing up first. And then there's also this call between Gary and Maddox's Gary. Mm -hmm. And the reason I can't, I can't remember the, I can't remember the character's name because all I can remember was that he was called Maddox's Gary. But in rehearsal, I remember we spent hours on the relationship of number one, Gary and Maddox's Gary. And the con, like the sort of competition between them, which is nowhere in this episode. There is like nothing re related to that. And we spent hours on like the two motorcades, like one pulling in and then uh, realizing Maddox wasn't there yet. So she didn't want to arrive before Maddox. So she then, they then like looped the, the, Oh yeah. Motorcade around again. Yeah. And I remember spending so much time in the rehearsal room, in the conversation around how that would work. And then this relationship between Gary and Maddox's Gary. And neither one of those things is really addressed outside of like the two motorcades kind of being brought up later in the Sioux hearing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That was, that was in there. You're right. That's good memory. So I don't know. I mean, like, I think it was, I think the only reason it stuck out in my head is because when I finally saw the episode, I was like, holy shit, we spent so much time on that. Yeah. We spent so much time on that and it's not, and it's not in there at all, but I don't know, maybe again, we're talking about like how memory is colored. I, maybe it was just the one, maybe that was not important to arm at all. And maybe it just stuck. Maybe it was like the one little bit of rehearsal I was around for. Um, one thing I want to point out to him is like, we talked about the big leap in, uh, the difference between season one and season two, how it seemed to like expand or get bigger, or, like mm -hmm. or, there might've been some like bigger commitment from like HBO or something. But I also realized that they were actually supporting it in a big way because of the process of our show. Like when we had all these rehearsals, they were like flying us out, putting us up for weeks at a time before we were in filming. And that wasn't yeah. just the actors. That was like other departments, like the AD department and feeding us and like so i don't know i just want to point that out so i mean i guess it, it so like you're saying like the financial support was kind of already there it's just they were already huge fans of the show and i think the financial support was probably there but maybe in season two it just showed up a little more on screen which might yeah. have been what we talked about which was just like jay feather probably had more time to restructure the look yeah 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 he, he picked okay this season um, anyways so we are getting into oh so now we're at the military base where everybody is the quantico marine base where everybody's cold um it's a back and forth with uh maddox uh and selena so isaiah whitlock jr plays maddox who everybody would remember from uh senator clay davis uh on the wire who has his tagline uh, he now yeah. makes shit so he makes and sells oh, uh, right. bobbleheads yeah bobbleheads of clay davis that say shit um and i was like i i i love that character if you go back and watch the wire over the course of five seasons the shits get longer 
by by factors of like of like quantifiable factors by the yeah. end by the last episode it's like three and a half minutes long yeah yeah um, they really had fun with it in the final time yeah uh so in this scene uh they're kind of touring a, a rifle range uh and uh, uh somebody's like you know the the one of their little like kind of like you know dick measuring contest ends up being like you know maddox saying i fired a gun in anger I might add. And she's like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to fire a gun. But this scene also gave birth to one of, I think the lasting memes from the show, which is nervous laughter. What the fuck? When she turns and she, she turns in kind of like smiling, but nervously laughing and says, what the fuck to you guys? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? That is a gif that I see all the time not related to our show at all just like somebody nervously laughing and saying what the fuck that has been i think like a lasting meme that has come from the show oh good call yeah realize that um so she i uh dan loves this idea gary's worried that she's gonna chip a veneer mike doesn't like it because it could backfire uh but he also doesn't like it because it could literally backfire. backfire that's where the term comes from um she does shoot the gun and it does was that an actual like real that was a real blank i mean it wasn't a real shot like shot in the shotgun but it was like a blank it had kick to it right yeah it looked like it it looked like a real blank yeah okay i was i wasn't sure if you remembered from the day no i don't remember but i after watching and i had the same reaction like oh that looks real like that looks yeah like it actually gave her like a pretty big kick yeah yeah um so from there we go into oh no we kind of uh uh in between that scene we cut back to what's going on in washington which is sue's hearing um jonah comes in this was a moment the kanye west wing thing i ended up facetiming with sean gray at one point about second in between the first and second season and that out of that conversation came this idea that uh, uh, Jonah considered himself like a future mogul in the way that mm-hmm. like if he talked to Jay-Z or if he talked to Kanye West, he would say to them, he would feel right at home because he was a, you know, like he was a disruptor. He was somebody who had big ideas and could do wear a lot of different hats. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you guys are, you guys are there already. Like you guys have gotten there. I'm still on the way up, but I, I have the same mind as you guys. And that's where the Kanye West wing thing came from is that conversation and like his, his like eye toward, um, that, that level of fame and that level of, uh, of, of what do you like, of like work, the diversity of work, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that's where this Kanye West Wing thing came from. Tireless acting work, Tim. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the effort that went into Jonah's backstory, but you're I mean, never forgetting. I mean, but here's the thing. Ultimately, we're talking about five hours of premium cable. Mm-hmm. You put it all on the line when you're making five hours of premium cable. You put mm-hmm. it, you leave it all out there. Mm-hmm. There's not an unexamined moment. That's what I'm saying. Well, I also would say credit to you for not falling out of shape in the off season like an athlete. Like they stay training mm-hmm. between seasons and you stay yep. training as an actor so you I've never fell out of jonah shape 
No, never. I, I, I would fly, even if I didn't need to go anywhere, I would like get on a first class flight and like, you know, at maybe a weird time of day. And I would skip a meal just because like, you got to stay in that headspace. You know what I mean? You got to stay in that headspace. Otherwise you never know if you're going to get it back. Yeah. Um, so we're back in, uh, DC for Sue's hearing, which she is supposed to keep boring. Um, there was a, a long running joke in which Jonah calls Cliff clit he just keeps referring to him as clit and i hit it so hard so many times and i got out of the episode it got completely cut out of the episode and i think one of the reasons it got completely cut out of the episode is that it was i don't think i played it correctly i think i hit it too hard like that's a hard joke yeah and i think i hit it hard and I think once they got into the edit, they were like, this is not fun. This is yeah. not fun and it shouldn't be in there. Like the, uh, Jonah's sort of dis, disregard of Clint of Cliff is there. Yes. I think this is why I also keep saying Clint and not Cliff because I am combining Cliff and Cliff. Oh. oh so, in there. yeah. So it's just in there. That's interesting. I didn't remember, but I do remember that now, but I'd forgotten that. That's interesting. Um, one other thing I want to say is like, so she... Stu stumbles in using the term robust, which had been in the office floating around because she was sort of cornered in this efficiency hearing. Yes. And then it turns into sort of a plot line for the episode, which just again in 2012 is enough and plausible and is yes. the baseline reality of politics to be a story. Now in 2021, that is nothing. That is not a gaffe that would make no, a two second blurb in any, you know, small time political magazine or whatever, not blog in any way. Yeah. So the, the Sue gets cornered into, it's like an immensely boring hearing about, I think I wrote it down is it's, uh, um, it, uh, Congressman Kessler is a hearing on domestic efficiency in internet, in, in domestic and international transportation. Yeah, which I do think that this is the kind of thing that I think Arm loved, which is like some congressman who you've never heard of, who has just grabbed on to the most boring thing and is trying to make their name off of it. Yes. And I do think performed. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, I did not look this up before. And Arvin, if you could help me out, if you, uh, the actor who plays this congressman, who plays congressman, I think it's Hessler. Hessler. I think it's Hessler with an is it Hessler. I'm looking that up. I'm looking that up. Thank you, Arvin. So while Arvin looks that up, I just want to say that the actor that played him did a really good job playing a sort of like smug congressman who was taking a very boring thing far too seriously. Vince Hessler is the uh, character's name. And then Remy. Aubergenois. 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 So Remy Aubergenois is the guy who's playing. Yeah, Remy or Aubergine. Aubergine. Yeah, maybe it's French. Yeah. Okay. So Remy Aubergine is the actor. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Is the actor who plays this congressman, Congressman Hessler. And I just think he does an amazing job as a, a sort of low-rung or low-rent congressman taking an incredibly boring thing far too seriously and being very smug and self-important about it. Uh, and so during this scene, Sue is gets caught in this idea that there have been two motorcades that have gone to Quantico, the Marine base, uh, 
and she gets she stutters and she ends up saying robust uh and the and then we cut right back to selena about to make the speech getting in a an argument with maddox about which 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 country how many countries neighbor uzbekistan and she ends up giving a forceful speech in which she says this requires a robust response yes yes that's correct and then uh where do we go from there oh um Oh, there! I before we move on from that scene, there is a great moment where Gary tries to outdo Dan's Garyoki. So Dannyoki, he's tried. Dan is trying to Dannyoki, and Gary's trying to Garyoki. And tries to get in there too quick, and he says he hasn't. She's talking to a marine, and he says he has a nice face, and then she says you have a nice face, yeah. and I just really like that moment. Um, from there, I think we go into we go straight into the next morning where she's yelling at you to hang up a phone dummy because yeah. all of the press coverage can't get over the word robust and about how there's like all this miscommunication coming from the Veets office. I think the headline Dan, is there's a robust sister act in Washington or yes. something. Yes. Yeah. Sue is getting a lot of press coverage. Yes. Um uh, she's starting to feel like she's kind of famous. Uh, there is a great like sort of classic comedy bit in here where Dan pulls out the word cloud yes. and everybody's like, okay, well, where's Selena? And everybody kind of leans in. <laughs> and, and then I think, I think Dan has, and I love this little, I love this kind of add in. He's like, I just saw it. I just saw it. You know, <laughs> like you're trying to, he's trying to make her feel better. He's like, I just, I just saw it. Where did it go? Yeah, um, that was a I, nice messy moment. And that was a nice long pause where you just have yes. everyone staring at the paper. That is very kind of broad comedy, but wonderfully done, hopefully. And uh, I think Mike makes her feel better by saying, well, it's bigger than collapse. Like you're bigger <laughs> than collapse. <laughs> yeah. That's like, oh, that was fun. Uh, that's a good Mike moment of like, it, like somehow pointing out and trying to point out a good thing. You have only pointed out a worse thing. Yeah. Uh, so from there, we go to we have a, a scene between uh, Sue because she has to is now prepping. Cliff is back because Sue is now prepping for her return on the 6th. Uh, um, and then from there, we go to another scene with Ben and Maddox and Selena where they're arguing over where he's like, you need to be on the same page. Yeah. And he's like, if you guys use different words, it sounds like we're not on the same. And she says, diet. Yeah. Uh, so and then Ben has a great line. He says, we all know that the White House would work so much better if there wasn't a president. But there is. So we work around. That. <laughs> yes. It's like voting for like a dictatorship. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a great uh, line. But I, it's also interesting, too. We talked about Furlong being one of the first people who like. Stand not stands up to Selena, but almost has enough status where they go toe to toe. And Maddox is like this next major character, I think, in the arc of the show, where he and her are sort of equals in power in a way yeah. that, yeah, you know, it's just interesting. Like he's definitely like talking shit to her openly, and yes, yeah. like he does not have to worry about status or rank. Yeah, he's not part way. of the civilian government. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. So it's just interesting to see her bump up against those characters. And obviously Ben, in a way, or even Kent, obviously, 
in their trickery. They don't they don't directly disrespect the Veep, but they do disrespect the Veep. And but it's yes. more mecha. It's more like strategy because they're it's more subtle. But Maddox is just openly like, I don't care what you say. Yeah, like he doesn't like. It, it ultimately, Selena still ranks Ben and still ranks Ken. Yes, but it, but Maddox does like he does not answer to her. He only right. answers to if she becomes president, he answers to her. Yeah. Um, and I guess that does make sense with her like having this sort of like increased foreign policy role. She's trying to butt in on things that he doesn't think that she has the intelligence on. Um, uh, so from so Selena leaves the room because they're debating the sixth and the ninth. Oh, yes. She just yeah, wants yeah. to make sure there's nothing on her calendar. Yes. And then uh, Cliff gets the phone. And she says, uh, office of vice president. She's like, this is the vice president. He's like, office of the vice president. She's like, no, I am the vice president. I, no, I am the vice president. <laughs> and uh, she says, what's on the sixth? Anything immovable? And he says, nothing. Just Sue's hearing. And then that gives Selena that ego competitive thing in her to go, yes. I know what we'll do. We'll save the hostages and we'll back down Sue's like publicity spike. Yes. Yeah. So she comes back in and is like, all right, we're going to do the sixth. Uh, uh, that's when we're going to do it. She goes back to the office. Um, uh, oh, this. Oh, I where uh, she's like, OK, so clear everything that's on clear everything on the sixth. Mm -hmm. And Cliff says, uh, OK, uh, I just have to move the senator's swearing in ceremony. Uh, and I, Julia has a great moment where she says, that's not movable. That's immovable. Uh, because the, the as the president of the Senate, which Amy says as the president of the Senate, um, uh, she is in charge of swearing in all the senators, like yeah. uh, because they have the recently elected senators. So she has to swear them all in. Um, so now they are. Uh, By the way, I wonder if that's in the Constitution. It's like we could probably find that out, but it seems like a very like constitutional requirement in the way that like the vice president presides over a tie vote i wonder yeah. if it actually says the swearing in of newly elected senators will be done by the vice president yeah like is under the purview of like where exactly is that said and if they were thinking about like that sort of like minutiae when they were writing the constitution it just kind of seems like i don't know guys maybe just point the broad strokes just paint the broad strokes and we'll figure out yeah. all that stuff you know what i mean We'll look that up later. Arvin, that's some homework for next episode. Find out. Not, if that's in the not that we're not going to do that homework. We're going to no. say Arvin. Yeah, no. Finding out right now. Okay. okay. Thank, we're going to pose questions you, Arvin. and you do the work. I mean, we're right, so we are busy recapping five hours of premium cable, so we can't do homework like that. So then we go to the swearing in, right? Yes. The actual swearing in the centers, which yeah. was in the city hall of Baltimore, right? That's right. Yeah. That. And yeah. uh, I think the mayor might have been running around at that time, but I can't remember who, because I feel like there was a couple mayor sightings the day we were in City Hall of Baltimore. But that is funny because, as we talk about many times, like seeing Julia do small talk or improvise small talk with the mm -hmm. masses is really funny. And in, there's just another subtle tweak on this. This is sort of rushed small talk. So she's yes. almost like yes. more inept in a way. You know, sometimes she says things that are so generic. We as the audience know it's an app or it's not really good small talk, mm -hmm. but the people she's giving it to, it sort of works. But in this yes. case, she's very inept, but she's so rushed that it's insane a little bit. It's not logical. She's like giving them lines that has, have nothing to do with. She has this one. I wrote one down. 
uh, like Ruby. I wish that was Ruby. What a nice name. I wish that was my cousin's name and every, yeah. all you guys, cause you guys don't know about the hostage rescue mission. Right. The only people that know are Amy, Selena and Jonah. And that's why he's there because of the secure teleconference room. So he, how do we know, he has been how like do we know that, jo- how do we know that Jonah knows about it? Have we seen because that on camera? Would- we have we do we haven't seen him we haven't really seen him knowing but when but when jonas shows up you say why is this isn't a potus thing why is scrotus here well that's another that was a good jonah um, and then i say like forgotten by the way scrotus yes yeah, so like jonah yeah so you say that it, it just it doesn't necessarily that's, got it. it that's where it is pointed out like why is he here the secure teleconference um uh there you're was there also to, you're, there to, you're there to be Jonah's there to be the messenger. And so we hint yes. at it there by asking, why is he here? Yeah. Okay. I got yes. It. So you, as so Amy and Jonah know why her small talk is so bad. You and Gary and Dan have no idea. She also has a moment um, where she mentions like, uh, Ooh, like talking about hunting or fishing. She mentions like maybe one day I'll get the big one. No, We're all looking for the big one. We're all looking to you looking for the big one. And I remember it didn't make the edit, but there was a lot more talk about like, uh, like Dan saying like, yes, she in fact did say that she prefers giant penises. Like in that moment, like there was a lot of like that, that, that moment was expanded upon and unpacked in a way that didn't make the edit. Um, I can't. Oh, I, I, there's a really great, I want to point out a really great line reading from Anna here when she says like, I've seen her make worse small talk. I can't tell you when, but I have. And, and yeah. I, there's like a really, I, I'm just like a sucker for a sentence that doesn't sound like any sentence I've heard before. Yeah. Like the, the her cadence, like everything about that line. That it's so under her breath. It's kind of not for you. It's kind of only for her. It's sort of arrhythmic. I'm a sucker for any line that is delivered in a way that nobody else is ever going to deliver it. Yeah. And I really like that delivery. I feel like that's one of those lines that just like as a compliment to her, it's incredibly funny. It's also hyper specific. Yeah. 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 I wanted to bring Uh, up one jokey line, which is, uh, I think Selena says, describing Clint, she says, this is like explaining gravity to a chicken. (laughs) I feel like, was that one of those lines that maybe got pulled from season one? I don't know if I got jokes. I think what ended up happening is that like in seasons three or seasons four, somebody had to explain a different kind of concept to a different animal. Okay. So like later on, you would be like, this is trying to explain astrophysics to a llama. Like something like that comes up later. Okay. So I think it feels like it was something that was pulled from earlier. Um, So she has, uh, uh, so uh, Jonah says it's time o'clock, which is the code for it's happening. She has to get through this one last swearing in, which she gives some 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 oomph too which is very confusing for you guys and then we all run out um uh to the shit situation room yes. um uh where she says uh, gary you can't come in here this is man's work and another yeah. emasculating moment for uh uh for gary uh uh so we're watching uh we're watching the 
the, the way, like the live cams on the Blackhawks of this hostage rescue mission. Uh, she's yeah, I love scene. when you say, when Jonah says, boom, egg shock <laughs> Egg shock so like, I just remember Chris Addison being like, push it, push it harder, push that one more, push it more. And I was like, it was like 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And I was so tired. And I just kept having to do this egg shakalaka. Yeah. Yeah. I had one thing I wanted to point out from earlier in the Marine Bay scene where Selena gets up to give her speech. Uh, Watch all of us in that scene. Because I think at one point we were told to stop clapping for real. So you can tell we're not really clapping. You know how sometimes sound department will go, we'll go. Hey, you guys, or they'll ask the director, can we can we do one take where we're not really clapping because we, we we still need to get Selena's speech clean. Mm-hmm. And so if you watch, it's a little like a real clap is that and uh-huh. we're kind of like doing this. And I, I was actually going to bring this up. Um, and that's not a slight on our wonderful sound department or. No, it's not. Who, no, it's just um, one of those things you do sometimes have to do because you want to get the best. Because the most important thing in that moment isn't really our clapping, it's her speech. I, I, I want to say this, and I will say, I'm going to say both things at the same time. Uh, and I will preface it with this, that I, as proven later in this episode, I'm not great at that, at the fake clapping. Mm-hmm. Um, Me neither. I think it is a comment on my fake clapping as well, yes. Well, here's the thing. I, Anna gave an unbelievable line reading of, of I, I don't know when she's given worse small talk but she has but there is a moment in here in which anna gives the worst fake clapping performance that i have ever seen i mean truly her hands are three and a half inches apart i mean she is basically just waving if you if you're not watching if you're not watching on youtube or on spotify she is basically just waving her forearms in the direction of one another Tim, I, she might I, be listening I, I, to our. She might be listening no, to our. No, I'm just. I'm not. I, I, I would I know say you, this to her. You know. I would say this to her if she was here. And later on in this episode, I give a piss poor, a piss poor fake clapping performance. Okay. So none of us, none of us are beyond reproach. Okay. I just want to point out that a, a, a Anna is good at many things, but in this episode, I think her fake clapping falls short. I and I meant to bring this up in the the when we did the baseball episode in season one, and maybe I did, and maybe I just don't remember it. Garrett, Tony Hale has many, many good qualities and is an immensely talented person. And, and in the baseball episode, does some of the, the worst coffee acting that I've ever seen. He has four cups of coffee in a in a in a in a in yeah. like a carrier. And he's holding it with one hand and gesturing with it. That's why you always, as an actor, ask for real weight. If you're holding luggage and you have blankets or bricks in there, you you go, can I get some bricks or blankets in here so I don't have to act like it's heavy? So here, Tony Hale and Anna have, Tony Hale, in this episode alone, in this episode of the podcast, has provided both in word and in action some good advice for young actors. He has told you to say one line really quietly. And also, and so in word, he has told you that. And in action, he has told you to make sure that there is some water in the coffee cups. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Real way. If Anna, if Anna was here right now, if we had her on the phone for another right. segment, I would talk to her about. Well, you can always walk it back when we do walkbacks, or you can. Double I, there down. is. I, I. This is a double down. Okay. When we get to it, we're going to talk about it again. So, um, she finishes I, the swearing in ceremony because yes. Jonah tells Amy it's time it's, o'clock. It's time o'clock, and then Amy tells the president, the vice president, it's time o'clock, and then we get to see the classic people running through hallways. Uh-huh which is very funny and it's uh obviously tickles arm uh and then she rushes into the uh situation room which she actually shit shit situation room shits i can't say it this is a word that i can't say say shit and then say chew situation room situation oh oh thanks walsh um uh you can she says like that after she says that she says uh oh hello gentlemen did you hear that joke that i meant for you to hear yeah. Yeah. about the shit situation room uh ben has got his giant mug uh i take a picture of her uh and then i show it to her i hand her the phone and she looks at it which will come up in later episodes but just so that we mark that moment yeah. she's like kind of squinting that is me handing her the phone um um uh and so then oh and then the 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 thing is a success the mission is a success the hostages are freed everybody comes in and starts celebrating um i uh am very happy about this and then because we did it like a million times jonah asks for a high five from everyone in that room and nobody gives him one <laughs> and i feel like well she this was the kind of thing that came up at like three in the morning you were like nobody like that was basically your doing like no you were like nobody give him a high five <laughs> like that is like for anybody to celebrate with you that would kill the reality of all of this like nobody do it Don't and so it, it became a thing like me trying to like hunt them down even more and people actively having to dodge them even more. It is an interesting moment that Jonah would be allowed to be in that room because that's pretty high yes. clearance. So it is, yes. it is definitely showing your access in that moment. And I think that's a, I do also think that's a big moment for him too. Yeah. The joy you have when you close the door, like, sorry guys. And you get to close the door. Yeah. That's all he lives for is like to show he does have legit, higher or you know he's higher up than they are yes yeah uh so uh the next day uh we have like uh jld the jewel of veeps feeling on top of the world the hostages and like the you know uh, i think you well she in that moment you bring up that like oh my god they're free and you knocked sue's return hearing right off the map we actually get a lot we get a shot of the hearing where in the first hearing, there's nobody there. There's yeah. the congressman, there's Sue, there's maybe one other staffer. In this yeah. one, you see that the you know word has gotten around and there are like 30 people in there who all stand up and leave. Uh, and the, and uh, you know, ashes to ashes, robust to dust. It she seems got, that you're- And she got pumped and dumped by the fame monster. As she Dan got pumped and dumped by the fame monster. By the so, way, all of, us, all of us spinning into the virtual situation room, is that a violation? Like, obviously, we made a point of saying only Amy, Jonah, and the vice president. And then when the when the celebration happens, don't we all storm into the room anyways? You do. I think the, I think the, what would you call it? Like the, 
not the real like the reality or the 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 logic. I think the logic that of that moment was built around that that the the secure teleconference was now off and it is oh, now okay. it is now public it now can be public knowledge because okay. it has because it has now happened we don't have to keep people from knowing about it okay um, so i think that was the logic at the time okay but also it was 3:30 in the morning on december 23rd in baltimore and i think at some point somebody was just like wait does this make sense and some and then at some point addison just had to be like who knows yeah and i think too in the reality like whatever like her office they would if there was a celebration like that they might come in and maybe it is quasi not legal but whatever yeah it is over you're right the logic being anything that would ruin the mission uh because it's been a success there's nothing like that could leak out that would ruin the mission or whatever i, yeah. I, get, I get that logic all right so now we're in the debrief moment yes uh sue has fallen from fame uh cliff is gone uh She's being debriefed by you uh, yes. as the executive uh, messenger for the executive branch of the president. So this, I will say, like when people talk, this is a common question that comes up. Like, do you guys break on set? Do you laugh on set? This is actually the scene that I think of most when we talk about this. Because I could barely keep it together for this for this scene. And because because it had to be so quiet and because it had to be so serious and yeah. also because of her insistence on knowing more about the leg. Yeah. Like how like it was so hard to yeah. keep it together. Yeah. And then especially in the like, you know, the sort of like the like, oh, he basically doesn't have a leg from above the knee up. Like she was like, oh, they were able to say his, his foot. Like, no, that's gone what? too. Uh, the what and then the thing about um him being like the turn from the oh no 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 ma'am he's not in any pain he's in an induced coma so like that turn to get the information like i could not fucking keep it together and i remember if you can't like if you're listening and you're not watching julia she actually at one point was like no 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 she actually like gave me like a do not do not start do not start like you know what i mean i was like okay took some breaths and managed to get through it, but fucking barely. So when we, whenever I, whenever I am asked that question and I answer it generally, specifically, I am thinking about that scene. Yeah. Um, and there's a nice, you have a nice moment. I think it's right after you say like, Oh no, he's, he's not feeling any pain. He's in an induced coma, but you know, maybe when he uh, comes out of it and you pull a nice face, you kind of throw <laughs> you a nice face like, of like, oh, I mean, it might yeah. not be great. <laughs> it might not you be don't great. say anything. It's very funny. You just kind of go, mm. you threw a little, mm. very funny. I think, thank you. I think that they all, she also has, I think one of my favorite, I think what might now become one of my favorite moments of hers when she's in this daze of realizing that a man has lost his leg, especially when she finds out that he was due to be rotated out on the eighth. Yeah. So her choice of picking the sixth rather than the ninth, this guy might've kept his leg had she not been worried about Sue. Uh, I, I say something like, congratulations, ma'am, really well done. And she just kind of mutters, thanks a million, like in a daze as she's walking out. She's like, thanks a million. I just, I think it is going to become one of my favorite. And I had not remembered it until we started rewatching. I had completely forgotten about it. And yeah. I think it's going to be up there for me. Yeah. And so then in the hallway, 
she uh dan celebrates their office's victory by upstaging sue mm -hmm. by putting the hostage rescue on the sixth and she's in this she's very remorseful about what happened which again yeah, yeah. uh she's early on in her like you know like we talk about like she has not been like beaten down so much yet mm -hmm. she's still kind of human in this moment where she's like very upset about one you know one leg it's not even a human life you know what I mean? but she's very very upset about it and dan's celebrating and she says you can the thing about being close is that you can be in someone's ear but you can't see inside their head yeah and then gary gets to say uh end, end, of, an of, an era. E end of an era he's so he's yeah. mimicking dan from earlier in that episode who says it's Danny Ogie time, end of an era. So he throws that back at him. Another thing that I like in that moment is she both has the, like that human thing that you're talking about, but also throws, she throws it back at Dan. Like, how dare you insinuate that that's, even though that is what she did, like that was part of her calculus. That I feel like is a, uh, uh, this is a combination of both the early traits and the later traits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of like the projecting, like, this is your fault. You're a bad person for doing that, even though it's the thing that she did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, You're right. It's, you, so it's like both of those things. She has that human concern, but then also goes to Dan, like, how dare you? How dare you? A man has lost his life. Like, how dare you think that that would have anything to do? with my thinking like that's that's you you're you're disgusting right. so i like that's that true. i like yeah that's true um, yeah. yeah yeah so then after that you guys all try to comfort her about this uh, when again if anna was here i would say it um she has another really bad uh, uh moment of fake clapping followed immediately by a really bad moment of fake clapping by me i am not beyond reproach in this and i can also learn um, but you guys are then back in the Eisenhower trying to cheer her up about the legs. Um, and you keep saying that some of these fake legs are, are so, made. are so good now. And like, if I had a choice between my stupid legs, <laughs> I hate my legs. I hate my legs. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Mike tr almost doing the right thing, but just kind of making it worse. Yes, and she says, "I lost a man his leg," and and Mike says, "Well, he'll bounce back." I I got a feeling, like I got, I got a I got a feeling. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that and is then, the threat, yeah. And then Gary is like really kind of reveling in the fact that he's right back there, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna go get you a nice croissant and maybe there will be a raspberry surprise in there yes like it's just a great gary moment on the way out the door yes yes um and that is episode uh three season two hostages directed by chris addison the last scene of which was filmed on december 23rd at 4 a.m with an immensely happy local baltimore crew that they were not with their friends and family during the holidays, that they were with us in a mattress warehouse in Columbia, Maryland. All right, Tim, uh, great episode once again. Um, any walkbacks? I'll start. I think I'm going to walk back a little bit about assuming that there was like a giant increase in financial support from our lovely partners, HBO, or our lovely, you know, owners, HBO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, it, it's become apparent to me that they, it was always there. 
more so. Oh, okay. I have, I always realize that because they do, they were really good to us. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I for one welcome. And, I, for, and by the way, I don't have an audition coming up for some HBO show. Not like your Sean Penn uh-huh. sort of kiss ass stuff. This is just this is just you legit revelation in a way that like oh yeah okay. it was always there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just you really thinking about your relationship with a publicly traded uh, company. And well, just wanting to make sure thinking, you say nice things to a publicly traded uh, entertainment company. Well, I'm specifically thinking of the people who no longer work there, like Plepler, and the people who still yes, work there, yes. like Casey and Amy Gravitt. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the corporation, but the people who were supporting us. Absolutely. And I also just want to, this holiday season, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to Disney Plus and all of the related <laughs> subsidiaries. They happen to own Hulu, which you're actually working <laughs> which for. Which I am interesting. I am working for. Um, so anyway, guys, thank you so much. Uh, you're really doing just amazing work for everybody out there in the yeah, world. Yeah, Disney um, too. I want to give a shout out to Disney. I'm doing a little guest run on the Connors. No big deal. They own. Oh, uh, no big deal. Whatever. Um, anyway, here's just a big shout out to AT and T uh, for all of their support um, of the Stop the Steal movement uh so also uh yeah, and netflix I, I got a pitch coming up next year i just want to give a shout out to netflix shout, quick shout out to netflix thank you um, you've done some incredible programming this past year uh a big uh a, a big zero a big zero no shout outs to youtube premium which doesn't exist anymore and which didn't buy a show from me when yeah. i pitched them a few years ago so they uh, maybe would still be around had they bought maybe it. you would still be around just think about that youtube red um, uh, I, I'm going to double down and because if Anna was here, I would say the exact same thing. Uh, if she texts me later, I'm going to say, Anna, you have a lot of great qualities. And I will also, again, I am not immune from criticism. I also gave a terrible clapping performance. Uh, it's just, ha- just so happens that mine was only eclipsed by the worst in history, which was Anna's. Um, I love you very much. You're immensely talented. You are immensely talented, except for that one. Down. So okay. I'll double down on that. And I'm willing to take the heat. I have some more. Okay, back. go ahead. Walk oh, back. Oh, pretty important. Go. Okay. Um, okay, so Bridesmaids, I did some digging, was filmed in 2011. Oh, However, uh, they started pre-production all the way back in 2006. And and the episode Frozen Yogurt Yogurt in which um, Selena shits herself, that was also filled in 2011. So it could be neck to neck here. I don't know. We don't what know. We're really, what we're really dealing with here is sort of like a deep impact and Armageddon situation. Yeah. Where Maybe they came like, up independently. Came up independently, but they still have the they they still have cultural impact. Both of them still have cultural deep impact absolutely and you guys just were on the same uh wavelength yeah let's just yeah, it, was, it, it was bound to happen mm-hmm. yeah. that's morphic that's morphic resonance too yes there you go great minds think alike yeah what did you say that adr stand uh stood for i i said that it stood for additional dialogue recording um that would make sense uh it is however alternative dispute resolution apparently Alternative no. dispute resolution? Get out of here. I think that might, I mean. Alternative I dispute resolution? I don't even know how that applies to filmmaking. You know what? In film, ADR actually stands for automated dialogue replacement. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
You want to walk back that first? You want to walk back? You want to walk back? You want to walk back anything else? I'm going to walk that back and then correct myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, and she um, fucking Wikipedia walk back too and see what comes up. Um, all right. Um, I last, love you, Arvin. Have last, you last one. Last one. Okay. Senator swearing in, the president of the Senate uh, does it, but the vice president serves as the president of the Senate. So, and is that in the correct. Constitution? Where did you find that? That's in the Constitution. Not Wikipedia. It is. That's actually in the Constitution. Yeah. It is. Holy shit. Be. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, some people were, some people on that day in 1776 or whatever. No, that's the Declaration of Independence. 1787 is when the con the thing came out. Oh, okay. Um, I, I've only seen, I didn't, I wasn't a very good student, uh, but I have seen National Treasure. Um, uh, and I, whoever was right, writing that, they really, they, they thought about the details. And you know what? God bless them. Yeah. Yeah. Next week we have the Veep, Julia Louis Dreyfus herself coming on. You do not want to miss this one. Yeah, yeah. And uh we love hearing your questions, so please submit more of your questions to castmedia.com slash second in command. You can tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. Uh, you can also check us out visually on places like Spotify and YouTube. You can see the visuals, not just hear the audio. For an example, a visual example would be when I was demonstrating Anna flapping her forearms together eight and a half inches away from each other when it was supposed to look like clapping. That'd be a great reason to go to YouTube or yes. Spotify. Yeah. And as always, you can follow, rate, review, and leave five stars. And thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Have a wonderful, safe break from hopefully you get to spend time with people you love. And we'll see you in the new year. See you in the new year, guys. Thanks for watching Second in Command of Veep Rewatch. Yeah, please hit the subscribe button and tune in every Tuesday when the new ones drop. Rewatch the show for exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff, info, insight, and more. Episodes coming, and thanks for watching. Yeah, hit that uh, subscribe button. This is the mouse arrow, right? That's what you're representing. It's a cursor. Put it, do a little circle with your finger and it'll, it'll like be bigger so you can see where it is. Oh, okay.